Mike, do we have some bumper music? Maybe? Oh, yeah. See, today we're talking about cultivating community. And the real question from the Lord this morning is, how deep is your love? Okay? You can sing along. You're going to see the prophetic little touches as we go along. You gotta miss that. You don't want to be separated. It's like the Holy Spirit, the breeze, summer breeze, His warmth. a great song, okay. I'm kind of a soft rock kind of guy, yeah, just let us be, I and you, you and me, that thing with Jesus, oh yeah, he believes in you, all right, well, that's right, we'll keep on going. I could just preach through this whole song, but we're not going to do that today. I'm going to... All right. Well, as God's people, we gather on Sunday mornings to bless babies, hear the Word of God, celebrate uh, transitions in people's lives, uh, and just have an amazing time worshiping the Lord, you know, singing songs of praise and confession. But guys, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just where we're getting started Really what God longs for us is to go from those big gatherings into the times where we really uh, get into each other's lives and actually experience community. And so my hope today is really to give a little snapshot of what biblical community really looks like. Okay, When I was in Bible college, my uh, professor, Stan McDaniel, my logic professor, he said, words are symbols that must be interpreted. Now we're throwing around these words, cultivate, community, and you know, walking it out. Salvador Dali's in an ambulance, right? That's what your t-shirt says, something like that. Well, we're walking all this stuff out, but the reality is it's like we need to kind of unpack this. So it's my hope that as we unpack that, that we'll have a better chance of experiencing it. Now, um, has anybody got... It's like this spring, did you kind of till up their ground? Anybody got a garden going on in your, in your backyard? Linda, did you use like one of those rototillers or did Alon do that? You did it? No, you didn't do it. He did it. Was he kind of going, uh, okay. Uh, I think those things are also called a cultivator, right? Did you know that? Uh, it's like if not, just nod your head and just pretend like that's true. Uh, but actually... That's a lot of work to actually till up the ground, okay? So when we say things like, oh, cultivate community, we're actually inviting you into a lot of hard work because, you know, community just doesn't happen naturally. It takes a lot of work. And um, Trish and I have been here for like the last five years, and, and that certainly is one of those growing places for us as a body. We're really great at gathering and being in God's presence and hearing from the Lord and worshiping together. And then we just kind of go home and do it again next week. You know, a lot of us do. Um, instead of saying, okay, now that we did that, 
Now let me get into your life and see how it's really going. And let me show you where I really am and see if you can handle that. And then when we start doing that, it's like, wow, this is uncomfortable. For most of us, we cycle into a place, and maybe even we grew up in homes where when you weren't really performing well, you just got shut down. You know, And it's like and it was just constantly like, all right, you make a mistake, you kind of blow it in some way, well, just don't do that anymore. And then we just kind of shut down. And sometimes the same thing happens. We fail each other, or maybe we're living in community, and all of a sudden you know, we betray one another, or we're not there when we really need someone to be there for us, and we can just shut down and just say, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, God's not going to let us get by with that <laughs> because he's actually wired us to just kind of till up that soil and do the hard work of cultivating community. To cultivate means to nurture and help grow. When you cultivate something, you work, operative word there, you work to make it better. To cultivate anything requires a level of care and attention to detail and an understanding of what is being cultivated and a lot of patience. We're attempting to cultivate community. Now let's talk about community. Now the original meaning uh, the Latin word for community meant a sense of fellowship and over time shifted to actually mean a group of people doing community together with a common interest. The closest word in, in the New Testament for it is koinonia, the, the Greek word koinonia, which is a great word. It means communion, joint participation, a gift jointly contributed. Um, the share which one has in anything, participation, a gift jointly contributed. And ideally, koinonia or community is a state of fellowship and unity that God intends to exist in his body. I believe that each of us are wired to desire community, just like we desire to have a deeper relationship with the Lord. But it seems like it's evasive. And the reason I think it's evasive to us is we're not sure exactly what we're trying to achieve. I remember when Trisha and I uh, were at a pool with our kids several years ago on vacation, there was a little British boy in the pool. And he was, you know, just a little pasty white British boy, you know. It's like in what you would imagine, you know, nibbling on teen crumpets there in the, in the swimming pool. And we were playing Marco Polo with our kids. And, and so he's just kind of watching in fascination. And after about five minutes, he said, what are you trying to achieve? I mean, I thought, that's a good question. I think when it comes to community, what are we really trying to achieve? What would it look like? That is so evasive because, you know, this is, community is, takes a lot of work. Okay, if I really let you know who I am, could you handle it? Could you handle it? And would you help me become a better me uh, over time? Okay, you know, the problem is if we don't really know what it is, we just kind of settle for a lame program or a Bible study or a small group and go, well, I'll experience community there. And, ah, oh, it didn't happen. So, well, 
I tried to cultivate community in 2017, and Randy gave us the charge, and then he left to cultivate it in the world somewhere. All right, so we're going to work real hard to, to go after the real thing, okay? Um, so the truth is, community takes cultivation. It takes a lot of hard work. I think, by and large, as a people here at the Vineyard, we tend to be pretty private. And it takes, you know, it takes a little effort to actually say, so, you want to get to know me? I'll tell you right up front, I love Cher and Neil Diamond. There we go. I feel it. I see those looks of, I see those looks of dismay. Like, are you serious? You know, I'm just being real, people. All right, you want, a little, you want more? I'll throw something else out there. Not yet, though, okay? Anybody want to just kind of let us know something about you? Dave, how about it, buddy? You know, throw something out there. Whoa, okay. We can have some community. You know, you know what I mean? I'm feeling it. All right. So, but sometimes you just have to kind of throw it out there and just see what happens. And okay, wow. Pray for Barry. He likes share. All right. She was uh, got a lifetime achievement award on the billboards. Anybody see it? Great performance. 71 years old. That woman could still rock. Now she needs Jesus, but anyway, cultivation. It actually takes commitment in it and it takes a lot of work and and we have to just kind of be okay as as we're getting to know one another uh and the truth is it's hard to define community if you've never really experienced it just like it's hard to explain really being head over heels in love if you've never been in love before we kind of feel like john in the book of revelation it's kind of like and it's kind of like and it's kind of like you ever notice how john talks like a teenager He's trying to describe heaven and describe everything. Everything is alike. Well, it's like this color, but it's really not that color, and it's like, and it's like. So it's hard to define it if you've really never experienced it. But if you have you know, gotten to each other's life and you kind of peeled back and you actually said, here I am. Here's who I really am. And we go, that all you got? Well, check this out. And then we're able to say, okay, all right. Now we can get somewhere. But I think we have a tendency to kind of look for the fig leaves. and <laughs> We don't like the, na- the naked and unashamed part of just really being in each other's life. But if you can get there, you'll never be satisfied with institutional church life. Like, ugh, meetings? Sunday school? That's all there is? You know, we just kind of give it up. Trish and I have been blessed to have some lasting community, some lasting kingdom relationships, but those things have been formed over years. Uh, We primarily were ministering uh, in Ohio for 27 years before we got here. So most of the people that know all the dirt on us are stayed away. um, But we still can pick up the phone and Man, I'm going through a really hard time. They remind me. It's like, Barry, you do this this time every year. Dude, it's your cycle. <laughs> Just get over it. You're going to be okay. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And to add to that, i got a little menopause going on here. <laughs> So sometimes I just cry. I don't know why. I mean, I'm just thinking I'm, the cheese is falling off my cracker sometimes. But no, you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. But you know, the only way those 
deep relationships have been formed over the years, we've had to be raw and real and risky just sharing things. And then have people go, okay, all right, that's not so good, but (laughs) you're going to make it, all right? And then on top of that, though, it's like just really praying and then just seeking the Lord and saying, God, can maybe give me a scripture. Maybe you'll give me a dream. You'll give me something that's going to encourage uh, the people in my life. Um, I love the description of the early church. It basically says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, when they came together, everyone participated. And I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, what happened? And the early church leaders said, okay. John Wingfield, Judy Gilbert, we just had a little time here at the temple courts. It's been great. But you go home and pray now because uh, you're in relationship with other people. And, you know, God's going to give you stuff for the people in your life. And so how great is it? And I know the people that have, have, have actually helped me grow have been the people whenever I would see them. You know, I was praying for you, and I think God gave me a scripture for you. You know, and it's like it's a... Matthew 6:33 kind of a day for you. Okay, let me just remind you, you know, that you know that you were created to walk in this kind of a way. And you know how cool is it when we gather that we're actually coming with kind of scriptures in our pocket and words and little pieces of this or that 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 we're sharing with each other. With the advent of technology, hello, you can send a text. You know, at the other vineyard we had a texting moment during church. Yeah, right in the middle of church, every, we would stop. We'd say, okay, everyone pray and see who you need to encourage. It was always cool whenever, like, you know, you're like, well, I don't have any friends other than people at church. And then people would get their little phones buzzing, you know, alerts, and you're going, ah. Like Jim Benedict, everyone likes Jim. Jim just, his phone's blowing up over there. We have ways, guys, that we can, we can do this. We're wired for community. Build one another up. You know, just press in. Okay. One of the first places I experienced community as a teenager uh, in young life over at Ben Davis High School, go Giants. Okay. My young life leader was a, a young skinny guy named Steve Freeman. Some of you guys know Steve, but I was um, all of like 16, 17 years old, and Steve was my young life leader. And what Steve did is he saw me. He not only saw me for who I was and was able to celebrate me, but he was also able to see past where I was to maybe the call in my life. And 36 years ago, he started just pouring into me, hanging out with me. You know, not, I mean, he was older than me. I mean, the guy was like ancient in college or something. <laughs> but he was paying attention to this kid in high school. Uh, here I am 36 years later, and Steve and I are still in relationship together. And even all those years I was gone in Ohio, you know, I'd meet him, I'd drive over to Indiana, it's like, Steve, I don't know what to do. He goes, okay, Bear, you've been here before. You pray for me and, and love me and encourage me. Um, Steve gathers a, a group of leaders uh, a couple of times on the south side, a couple of times on the north side, and he has a threefold purpose for those gatherings to know, to be known, and to be celebrated. That's community. And when you know someone, and, I mean, and then when you just long to know others, and, and, and not only that, but to really celebrate someone and who they are and what they bring to the table. A lot of times we go through life being tolerated 
instead of celebrated. Uh, Larry Crabb, uh, unfortunate last name for a Christian counselor. <laughs> I always just wondered about that. But Larry Crabb uh, kind of had a, a season in his life where so I am a Christian counselor, but I'm just, I'm just pretty unhappy. And he struck up a friendship with a crazy guy by the name of Brennan Manning, ragamuffin gospel guy, you know. Brennan's a mess. He's with Jesus now. Can't mess things up anymore. <laughs> but, but what was so cool is as he was getting to know Larry, he said, Larry, you're an amazing guy. He said, man, I celebrate you. He said, well, what's that mean? He said, well, let me tell you what it means. He said, I've got this little spiritual mentor, this little Catholic priest in Florida. That's what Brendan said. He said, I go down and I see him once a month. And when I show up in Florida, he's always on the beach witnessing or just you know, having a good time. Short little guy. But he says, when my little, Brendan said, when my little spiritual mentor sees me coming, he starts jumping up and down. Sand's going everywhere, and he's like screaming. It's like, Brennan, Brennan's coming. <laughs> and then he starts running after him. He said, and Larry said, no one's ever done that for me. And so um, Brennan kind of made notice of that. And next time they had dinner together, they're walking into the, you know, Larry came into the restaurant trying to find Brennan. And Brennan sees him from the distance. Of course, you know what he does. He starts jumping up and down. <laughs> and Larry Crabb says, I just lost it. You know, it's like for someone to celebrate me, for someone to just really see me for who I am and, and even see past all I do, but to really celebrate me. It's amazing stuff. So what is biblical community? Why is it such a big deal to God? Well, guys, have you ever thought about it? We have a triune God we have a triune God, and he created us to display community. The God we worship is a God who has eternally existed in community. Get out the duct tape. There was never a time God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were not in community, building one another up, glorifying one another celebrating one another. Holy Spirit, hovering over creation. You are such a good hoverer, Holy Spirit, the Father and Jesus say. It's like, and then Jesus creates, and they're like, whoa. Holy Spirit and Father, it's like, no one creates like you, Jesus. The Father, it's like, it's like, and then the Father speaks things like, whoa, you are such a good, good Father. There will be a song Good, good father, someday. I just think a vineyard guy will get it, or one of those Bethel people. But they were constantly, they lived in this place of unbroken fellowship. I know this is not to in any way minimize that, but as a little kid, I used to love Chip and Dale. You know, the little Walt Disney Chip and Dale. They were, they were so encouraging to each other. They always, always like, oh, after you. Oh, no, after you. It's like, oh, you're so wonderful. No, you're more wonderful. Than you. It just went on and on. But I just think the Father and the Son and the Spirit are just like, I did, you surprised me, Father. It's like, I didn't think I was going to be able to see anything new, but you did it again. The Father said, ah, oh, you guys are great. It's like, Jesus, Holy Spirit. It's like, and then they just wait. And like, oh, they'll do something. And they're kind of looking. 
Ah, yeah, we saw that. That is so good. And then God says, I want to create human beings in our image so they can have this much fun. Have you thought of that? Genesis 1, 26. The triune God created us for the display of this relationship. It says, let us... Father, Son, Spirit, all three, make man in our image according to our likeness. See, an essential characteristic of love is the desire to enlarge community. The Garden of Eden was not paradise because it was so beautiful. I believe it was paradise because it was a place of unbroken relationship. And celebration, right? It was a place of giving and receiving. Some of us are great at giving, not so good at receiving. It's like we got to have both if we're going to experience community. The continuous actions which take place whenever there's true community. Essential elements of community include interpersonal commitments and a sense of belonging. How good it is when you just like I, I belong here. I've got a seat at the table. I've got a place in the family. Community uh, takes place when there's shared life, allowing common goals and commitments to develop between all of its members. In his book, The Different Drum, M. Scott Peck writes about community. He said, if we're to use the word community meaningfully, we must restrict it. Don't be flippant with this word. We must restrict it to a group of individuals who have learned how to communicate honestly with one another. Speaking the truth in love. And a big part of speaking the truth in love is like saying, wow, John Copeland, you are not living up to who you are. It's like it's just reminding each other who we really are and what God is destined for us. It's not saying you're ugly and your mom dresses you funny. That's not speaking the truth in love, which is what it looks like sometimes in the body of Christ. It's really speaking to our core identity and celebrating that and drawing that out. He goes on, whose relationships go deeper than the masks of composure. Got to keep it together. Barry, menopause moment, you're going to cry. Give me a second. I'm going to be all right. And who have developed some significant commitment to rejoice together, mourn together, and delight in each other. And make each other's conditions your own. If you're going through a really hard time, my heart should ache. I heard a pastor say one time, you know, if you're crying, I should taste salt. If we're in community with one another. So within God's very nature is a divine rhythm or pattern of continuous giving and receiving. And I love this. I, I wrote it down. Not only love, but also glory, honor, and life. I've come that you might have life. Jesus is my life. We want that Zoe life, that creative life to flow. According to Matthew 3.17, God the Father loves and delights in his Son. John 8.29 shows us that Jesus receives that love and pleases the Father as an obedient, loving Son and honors the Holy Spirit according to Matthew 12.31. Not to be outdone, 
At the same time, the Holy Spirit glorifies the Father and the Son, according to John 16, 14. Each person of the Trinity loves, honors, and glorifies the other and receives love and honor back from the others because there's just so much of that to go around. There's never any lack. Second point about what I think biblical community teaches us See, God warns us in Genesis 2.18 not to be in isolation, but to live in community. In the beginning, it was written that it is not good for man to be alone. The Hebrew here is so much stronger. It says, no, no, not good for man to be alone. If God says, no, no, not good, it's not good. You know why he's doing it? Because, oh, hey. Father, Son, Spirit, glory, honor, celebration. No, 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 no. They can't be alone. They can be isolated. They'll die. All right? So creating that image. So man was walking in the garden with God without sin, and yet such a relationship was not ideal. It was no, no, not good. Until Eve came along. She was taken from Adam's side. God took a bride from his side. That rhymes. Interesting, you ever thought about when the bride of Christ was born? On the cross, whenever blood and water came out of Jesus' side. Blood and water, that's us, guys. This bride was born. Cosmic. He likes Cher. He likes Neil Diamond. He's got weird things. All right. All right. See, See, Adam and Eve's capacities were... Drastically different, and I really believe God chose it, chose to actually do it that way. So I think there's things we get from God from the female folks that we don't get from the male folks, and vice versa. God created it that way. All right. I believe God put part of His nature in man and the other part in a woman, so that we would not be complete without one another. And that's not just about marriage; it's just about humankind and mankind. With Adam, Eve could bring forth new life to share their intimacy in family relationships. And what I love about creation is God said, you know what? No creation is ever going to happen outside of community. See, no child could ever be born apart from physical union. There, there would be for each baby a father and a mother, and baby makes community. Right? Baby makes community. In God's plan, unbroken relationships were always to exist. Last point about this, 1251, I think we're still doing all right. Jesus came into our world because the Holy Spirit brought, through, brought forth new life through Mary. He honored this way of actually coming in and experiencing community. Mary, Joseph, Holy Spirit's in there, and then we have community. Jesus grew up in it. As Jesus grew and mature to the time he began his public ministry, what was the first thing he did? Gathered a group of men and experienced community and said, I'm not going to do this by myself. We're going to do this together. He lived with them for three years, modeling a lifestyle of love and acceptance. And the disciples learned firsthand that community is a terrible place to mask limitations, you know, to actually, you have to check your ego at the door, ignorance, 
jealousies, all that stuff are glaring when you're living in community with people. They kind of stick out. Well, who's going to be the greatest? I like this pecking order thing. And we're saying, no, Jesus said, no, not so among you. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. So it took a while for them to get that into their life. So fast forward to John 17, 20 through 23. And we read that among Jesus' final words before the cross was a prayer for the unity of his people. A unity expressive of the unity within the community of the Trinity. He said, I pray not on behalf of these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. So also they may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may become one, just as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. See, Jesus lived from all eternity in unbroken community with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But just before dying on the cross, Jesus knew that all that was going to change. For the longest time, I wondered why Jesus said in Luke twenty-two forty-two, he prayed for the Father for the cup to pass from him. Now, he knew he was going to suffer and die from all eternity. I've heard a lot of people say, well... He didn't want to suffer and die. And I go, well, I'm sure he didn't, but I don't think that's why he was sweating blood in Gethsemane. I believe he was sweating blood in Gethsemane because for the first time in all eternity, he was going to be separated from the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that was unbearable. That separation caused him to break. And he and He bled before he bled and was beaten because he just thought this is worse than death. This is worse than having all the sins of the world piled on me because we're going to be separated. I don't know what it's like to live outside of the Father and the Son and the Spirit all together. That's such a big deal to Jesus that, you know, that's why on the cross when he started to experience becoming sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, when the first sin started piling on to him, separation happened. And that's why on the cross he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The, the thought of living outside of community was worse than anything. And I, and I pray to God that it would just become something that we so long for, and once we experience it and, and grow in it, that, you know, like Jesus, we're like, You know what? Worst thing you could do to me is just isolate me. <laughs> you know, put me in a room by myself. Solitary confinement. I think they still do that in prison. That's, that's awful because they know it'll break you. Um, so I'm going to ask uh, Seth and prayer team to kind of come up at this point. And the invitation is just simply this. Um, if you have a desire for God to do anything in your life now, I'll throw this in. This is a freebie. Seth would probably be mad about this, but it's like Seth and a group of his friends have lived in community how many years now? Uh, a decade. Ten years. 
it's like a group of friends that have basically, you know, lived and followed each other, moved to different cities to stay in relationship with you. Even as they got married and started having kids, like, well, we're a community. We're one of those people that, I mean, we're a people of community. So has it always been easy, Seth? No. No. And I was talking to Rochelle, and she was telling me, it's like, she said, you know, there's not a more unlikely group of people to actually do this. You know, she said, we all came from severely um, places where this wasn't natural. Uh, but, but she said, the other thing, we've got an open community, so they're still recruiting. But I tell you, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> like, there's no secrets. No secrets. And if all of a sudden it's like Seth sees me and Trish having a fight, he's like, hey, that, you're being a stinky husband, Barry. Well, okay, Seth, you're right. I'm just going to, I'm going to receive that. You know? But that's the, that's the cost of community. Um, but, but the invitation is simply this. It's like maybe like you're longing for that or you're just saying, God, you, I, there's something I want you to do in my life. There's a, a healing need that you might have. I don't know what it is, but these amazing folks would be glad to, to pray for you. Otherwise, uh, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You can um, dismiss yourself as you uh, find your way. God bless you.